Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening once again and turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes this evening, chapter 2. Gone through the first chapter. Now we're at chapter 2 this evening and starting in verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and starting in verse 1. Ecclesiastes 2 and 1 says, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it's mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting it my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was that, what was that good for the sons of men, was they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, I planted me trees in them, all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith in the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, I had servants born in my house. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, peculiar treasure of kings and provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and delights of the sons of men as musical instruments that all of the sorts. So it was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom was remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes did desire, I kept not from them. Wow. I withheld not from my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked at all the works that my hands had wrought on the labor and all thy labor to do. Behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. There was no profit under the sun. Lord, we thank you again for this night that you brought us here together. And thank you, Lord, for your word. When we think about the temporal versus the eternal, we see the work of man's hands, and we see the work that you do in our lives. And I pray, God, you'd help us to always keep eternity's values in view. Lord, I pray you'd help us to not chase after paste pearls, things that cannot satisfy. We see this man, Solomon, who's come to the end of his days, and he's living to a, in a place of, of regret and sadness, knowing that he wasted much of his life on nothing. Oh God, help us not to live the same type of life, to end our days looking back with just regret because it was nothing. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand the importance of your word and the salvation of souls and that which is eternal. Bless tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a song for the ages that seems to guide the lifestyle of the the lifestyle of the rich and famous, the successful, the best-selling authors, the musicians, the superstars. It's set in the lyrics of an average guy on the street who's trying to live and live for what they say today is their best life. Or at least the weekend. At least the weekend. <laughs> Where you can take a break. It was sung by a guy by the name of B.B. King. It was goes like this. Hey, everybody, let's have some fun. I thought I had it. I did have it. There it is. Let, there, I thought I had it. Hey, hey, everybody, let's have some fun. You only live once. When you're dead, you're done. That makes sense. 
And when you're dead, you're done. So let the good times roll. I don't care if you're young or old. Get together. Let the good times roll. Don't sit there mumbling and trash talk, and talking trash. If you want to have a ball, just go and go out and spend some cash. Let the good times roll. Let the good times roll. That's the philosophy for most people who lived in this life. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. What did Jesus say of that person? Thou fool. Thou fool. Most people, all they care about is the now. What they can grasp, what they can get, what they can hold on to, what they can obtain. But their friend, it's like, as the Bible says, is like a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. What you see, though it is real, it will not last. Nothing on this earth except for the word of God and the souls of men and women, boys and girls, will last. Everything's going to be gone. So you got to figure with your life, what are you going to do with your energy, with your time, with your abilities that's going to make a difference for eternity? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with it? Is it going to be building stuff, making stuff, being greater, grander, getting? What, what's the purpose of life? Is it just saying, let's let the good times roll? Or does matters, does life matter at all? Here we have, of course, King Solomon writing is basically his autobiography of his life. Solomon had it all. None of us in this room will ever have it like Solomon had it. I don't know anybody that will ever personally that ever had it like Solomon had it. If you could dream it just about, he had it in his time. I know technology's changed, the world has changed, but he had it. And he could say, let the good times roll. So we see, first of all, his opening decisions, which was pleasure, in chapter 2 and verse 1. I said in my heart, go to now, approve thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. Behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? So he goes from focusing on that which is wise or wisdom to focusing literally on entertainment or laughter. Comedy. Now, the Bible said that laughter doeth good like a medicine, right? It's a good thing. It's a time, there's a time for it. It's, 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 a, it's good to laugh. It's good to enjoy yourself. But like anything, there ought to be a balance in it. There has to be a time where you laugh and a time you don't laugh. Some things, you just, it's, not, it's, it's not the time to laugh. So he, he, but he, he, he thinks, if I just have enough mirth, if I have enough laughter, if I have enough of this, it's going to make me happy. And he says, no. And all these things, all this mirth, is really, it's, it's nothing to me. It's, it's just, it's nothing. The comedy clubs, the jokes, uh, the jesters, it's nothing. He includes just nothing. He goes on in, in verse 3, talking about the, this word pleasure. Whether it means, means to be good or the context shows that Solomon made pursuit of pleasure as an end of itself. And really, when you think of pleasure, it, it's nice to enjoy time. It's nice to have vacation, but for most of us, reality is pleasure cannot be our life. It's a good thing when I come in on Wednesday night and most of you say to me, I'm tired. That's good. Because work is our lot in life for most of us. Now, some of you are tired. God bless you for being retired. You worked and you, now you've earned your retirement. 
But most of us don't have the luxury of sitting home and watching Scooby-Doo and the cartoons all day long. We don't have that luxury, and nor should we, because you're basically wasting your life. Most of us have to work, and that's a good thing. It's a sad thing when we have a society where too, not, where too many young men are not working. They're sitting at home. They're staying too long at their mom and dad's house. And they're not doing what they should be doing. Oh, we ought to, as parents, as grandparents, teach our kids and grandkids the value of work. There's a value in it. And so he comes to this place where recognizing the pleasure, there's not so much in, in, in it as, as, as he thought it would be in having this. So he says, he says, talks about the the pleasures are like poppies spread. You see the flower is bloom and shed, or like the snowfall in the river, a moment white when melts forever, one person wrote. So he has, these, secondly, a lifelong obsession projects. He goes from pleasures to projects. It says here in verse 4, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted me trees in them, all kind of fruits. I made me pools of waters to water with the, the wood and the bringeth forth trees. He went from saying, hey, I, you know what? Pleasure didn't help me. Laughter didn't help me. But what if I just have a project? You know, I just I do a bunch of stuff. Now, if anybody had projects, this man had projects. He had projects galore. We think about it means it means as parentheses means basically parks or pleasures or grounds. This and he had all type of vineyards and 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 areas where he grew things. I mean, he had it in in abundance. That was us at Biltmore House our 25th anniversary. There was a guy named Fred Olmster, considered the father of landscape and architecture. He designed New York's uh, city's uh, Central Park and Boston's Emerald Necklace. He was approached by George Vanderbilt in the 1880s and agreed to design the gardens of Biltmore State in his final project. You say, what's so special about this? Well, it has acres upon acres of ornamental shrubs, beautiful trees, ponds, pools, and fish, 75,000 tulips blooming in the spring, 2,000 roses planted exactly where the Vanderbilts wanted them to be. Now, if he would return my phone call, my place would look just like that. <laughs> but no, he's gone. He's gone. Interesting how Solomon focuses on these things, thinking they will bring him something. But he had, he had all this stuff. He had all these things. He had possessions and things and stuff. He uses these words. You look at the verses he talks about. He says, I made me great works. I built in me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted me trees and them all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water with the, the wood and the bringeth forth trees. I mean, you think about his English. What does he focus on? I and me, I and me, I and me. He was consumed with what he could do. He thought by just doing these things, it would bring them pleasure. Now, there's a certain satisfaction for doing something. <clears throat> we had this little area where uh, in front of our house last week, my wife wanted me to make it look better. So when she was gone to work, I took all the stones out, you know, put, put something down to kill the weeds, put the, put the stones back where they're supposed to be, put cement on, back, on, the, on them, made it look, made it look a, a lot better. You know, there's some pleasure with seeing that and doing that. 
But that's just, that's just, that's just something. I, I wouldn't want to make that, that my goal in life. That's all I'm going to do is, is making houses or bricks. If that's, if that's everything that life is about, it's just building more stuff, realizing that stuff is someday going to be gone. It has to be more than that. So he sees these opening decisions, seeking out pleasures, that his lifelong seeking out projects. And we know he had, he had royal possessions. He said, he got me servants. He got me servants. Got me servants and maidservants and servants born in the earth. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, the weight of which Solomon imported Israel, Israel and was given by the Holy Spirit, 666 talents. Interesting number. 666. Six, six. Well, the love of money is the root of all evil, isn't it? He got 666 talents, an enormous amount by any standard. He was focused on this, getting things. Solomon's provisions of food for, one, for, for was 100 and bush, 180 bushels of fine flour, 360 bushels of meal, 10 fat oxen, not the skinny ones, but the fat ones, and 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fat, fattened oil, uh, fowl. Old Testament scholar estimated it would take 30 to 40,000 people to consume that food every day. The amount of food that was produced by Solomon on a regular basis. And where did he attain all this? Well, he, he, gathered, he gathered more money like we talked about. It says in verse 8, I gathered me also silver and gold, peculiar treasures of kings and of promises. that got me men singers and women singers, delights of the son of men as musical instruments, all the sorts. One biblical account... In today's economy, Solomon brought into his royal coffers $1.8 billion a year. He can, he can afford to party, couldn't he? He could afford to, to hire uh, workers. Well, he had a thousand women, so he had to have a lot of money. <laughs> a 700 wives, 300 concubines. Brother, you better have some cash. Do re mi fa sola cash. <laughs> Or you would be broke. That's a whole lot of shoes and a whole lot of closets to put the shoes in. Not one of you men said amen, you bunch of cowards. <laughs> you didn't say a word. That's okay. I understand your pain. <laughs> Solomon took in $5 million a day. $5 million a day. He had plenty of money to buy the band, the choir, and all the instruments. Every night in his sculpture's garden was another concert, another party under the stuns. Choir would be singing something like, come on, everybody, let's have fun. Come on, you only live once, and when you're dead, you're done. So let the good times roll. Why not? Why not? He sought pleasures. He sought projects. He, saw, he, he had royal possessions. And then he comes to verse 9, and he see this selfish rationalization in verse 9. So I, so I was great. <laughs> And increase more than all that was before me in Jerusalem. And also my wisdom remained with me. And also my eyes. This statement is amazing. Also, whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. Can imagine being in a position financially that whatever you saw, you could get. That's a dangerous place to be. I mean, I'm not talking about just things. I'm talking about people. Whatever you wanted, you could have. Now, that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. What did it do for him? Did it bring him joy? Did it bring him happiness? He said, I withheld 
not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion for all labors. In other words, I worked hard, I deserved this stuff, I'm an alpha male, and this is what alpha males do. Don't you know that? <laughs> I, gotta, I, I deserve all this. And why am I still empty? He has anything he wanted, yet he's still empty. Well, verse 11 I mean, basically, pleasure plus possessions and projects equals nothing, right? To him, it was nothing. He tried it all. It was nothing. Without God, the destination is, is not freedom but bondage. Without God, the destination is not happiness but bitterness. Without God, the destination is not contentment but boredom. He said, I looked at all my labors and my hands are rot and all the labors I had labored to do and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit and there was no profit under them. What did all his choice amount to? Vanity, fruitility, brevity, meaningless. Striving after the wind, the idea of trying to catch satisfaction, it's like chasing the wind with a net. It's not possible. Nothing gained under the sun. Nothing you can do in our own personal perspective, our own focus, instead of looking up to a creator, without that, it's not profitable in life. The difference between life down here is looking, is being under the sun, S-U-N. But as Christians, we fall under the dominion of the sun, S-O-N. And that's the difference. The difference for those who lost, they're just living their days Working 8 to 5, 9 to 5, or some other crazy time. And what are they doing with their life? What are they doing with life? But for us, who knows that our days are certainly numbered. And they're not based on what we do so much as based on what God's will for our life. God's will for every person is not to live 70 years with a beautiful house and a white picket fence. That's not God's will for everybody. Oh, that might be the American dream. But it might not be yours. I just heard of a Christian man I went to school with. Died just the other day. He's my age. That could be God's will for his life. God's will for our life is not everybody be rich. God's will for your life is not everybody be healthy. God's will for your life is not have a perfect marriage with two kids. One, one, one male, one female. That, we, we all have perception of what it is. Because we look at the world and say, well, that's, that's what the world says is success. If I have this, 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 and this, that's success. Well, that's what the world says. But what does God want you to do? These folks here, here going to Cook's in Canada, a whole lot different living in Canada than it is in the United States, isn't it? A whole lot different living in Japan than it is in the United States. A whole lot different living in Mozambique or Kenya or Haiti. Go to Haiti sometime. You walk out, you, as soon as you get off the, soon as you get off the airplane, the stench will hit you. And you'll never forget the stench. Go to places like Brazil and Bolivia and see how they live in that economy. And for some people, you say, well, that's, that's difficult. And it is the exact will of God for their life. See, happiness is not just in having stuff. It's finding God's will for your life and doing it. Finding will, God's will for your life and doing it. So what is God's will for your life? That's what you have to define because success is finding God's will for your life and doing it. 
Success, Solomon, ah, uh, he did everything, but he still was empty. Without God, I said, the destination is, is not freedom, but bondage. Without God, the destination is not happiness, but bitterness. Benjamin Disraeli, a British statesman a century ago, who led Great Britain to great expansion, moved kingdoms, and led an incredible, powerful, influential life. He said this at the end of his life. This is a man who does not know God. Youth is a mistake. Middle age is a struggle. Old age is a regret. And that is life outside of God. Go to a nursing home someday. Walk the halls of a nursing home. You'll see it. People who know God and live God, there is a joy and there's a spirit in them. But people who don't know God is gloom, despair, and agony on me. All I can do is complain. Give me the next pain pill. That is the difference. That is the difference. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 8 9, For we know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty, might be rich. Think about Jesus Christ. He left it all so that we could have it all. He left heaven. He left perfection. He left the chorus of angels singing. He left the Father to come down here, take the, the form of a human, and die on the old rugged cross to be rejected, spit on, mocked, laughed, laughed at, so that we could have everlasting life. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? For John 1 and 12, as many as receive him, receive, receive the right or the ability to become the children of God, ultimately. In 40, in 40, 30 A.D., Augustine wrote, Our hearts are restless until they find the rest in thee.
um, to come to see me or someone else here tonight. We could love to take the Bible and show you how you can be saved. But for us who are Christians, can I ask tonight as, you, as the music plays, what's been your perspective this week? What's been your focus? Has it been only on self, what you got to do, where you got to go, what's your plans? When's the last time you asked God, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to talk to? Have you been consumed with you? Or could you honestly say, I've been consumed with God? Where's your priorities? I hope if you, as you do some introspection right there in your, in your seat that you recognize, I, I need to be better. I haven't spent much time in the Bible. I have not spent enough time in prayer. I'm struggling in my Christian life. Let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to you tonight about something I've said or about something he said, would you come? The altar's open. Ask God for help. Ask God for guidance. Pray for somebody maybe who's not living the way they should. Pray for someone who's not saved. Pray for yourself, your marriage, your finances, the struggles that you're having at your work. Whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to do, I pray you'll do it tonight. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for those who came tonight. Thank you for allowing us to be here one more time to hear your word and to sing and to give and to fellowship. I pray you bless those who are here tonight and that you would guide and direct in each of their lives. And I pray you'd help us to take what we've heard tonight. May it not just be something that we've heard and we walk away from this place and we forget, but God, may it sink down into our ears, into our life, the importance of living for you and not for our work, this world, or not for the devil, or not for ourselves. Help us, Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus.